Welcome to Bethel Brandon Sunday Message. Please head over to our website, BethelBrandon.ca, to figure out how we can best serve And I'm not old. I am a young person who just happens to have been alive for a very, very long time. <laughs> My doctor's concerned, you know, she said, you need to start exercising. So I joined an aerobics class for people over 50. And I, I jumped and I bent and I twisted for over an hour. But by the time I actually got my outfit on, the class was over, so I didn't even go. <laughs> the one advantageous thing about, um, about all of this is that I realize that the older I do get, the more efficient I do become at numbering my days. That I become aware that, that I just become more aware of time. Have, have you realized that? The Bible tells us that we need to do this. This is an important thing. We need to number our days. That's kind of what the passage of Scripture says in Psalm chapter 90, uh, verse 12. And we have it up here. It says, teach us to, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, below it is, is the Living Bible rendition, which is kind of like a, just like a transliteration of it. And it says this, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. This isn't an isolated passage of Scripture, is it? Like, we, we read this all the time. We read in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. He says, you know, redeem the time because the, the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity is what it says uh, in, a, in another translation of it. You know, in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, behold, today is the day of salvation. You don't put these things off. What does it profit a man? In Mark chapter 8, verse 36, and, and, and how about that parable in, in Luke chapter 12, verse 20, where it says, I built up all these barns, and I've torn down the small ones. I made bigger ones. Eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow, well, that's a long time away. These, and, and all of a sudden, the, the thing that it says, you fool. Are you not considering the fact that, that time is a very precious thing, and you really don't know? Why is this so important? Why is this such a crucial thing? Like, it's important to note that Psalm chapter 90 is a psalm. It's actually a prayer of Moses. I've heard people say, well, you know, as David says in the psalm, help us to number our days. Well, it wasn't David who did it. It was Moses. This is, this is perhaps the oldest psalm in the book of Psalms. And the book of Psalms is kind of separated into a number of different volumes. And, and Psalm 90 is one of the first books of that fourth volume, basically, if you were to actually see and understand the book of Psalms. And it was, it was written by Moses. It was a prayer of Moses. And it's labeled everlasting to everlasting because that's where it's kind of the whole passage of Scripture talks about from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And he goes deeply into the whole process. Now you stop and consider that Moses lived to be 120 years old. And he tells us to count our days. Now, it doesn't matter if you live to be 1,000 years old. The thing is, in comparison to eternity, it's nothing. In that particular passage of Scripture in, 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 in Psalm chapter 90, it actually says that, hey, God, for you, a thousand years is kind of like a day. And so it talks about the brevity of life, that life is frail, it's uncertain, it's short. And if you were truly smart, 
Not only would you keep this in mind, but you would make it an active part of your thinking. So do we do that? There's a football player, quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, who, well, if you're listening to this, at this point, anyways, as I'm speaking, he is the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. And, and they did a report on him in a sports radio show. And they talked about this sculpture, they say, that he had at the front of his house. And basically, it's a glass tube. And he has like 720 stones in this glass tube. And they're saying, what's that about? He said, well, I'm kind of figuring with my math that I would like to live to 90 years old. And so I did the math as to the age that I am, and each rock represents a month. And so as I look at that, I realize this is the number of months I have, and I take one out. And many times I'll hold on to it, I'll keep that rock as a reminder of the fact that once the rock goes out, it doesn't go back in. That, that all of a sudden, as one of my Bible, Bible teachers said, he says, Psalm chapter 90 verse 12 teaches us that we need to number our days. And so every time he walks into his house, he is reminded of the fact that we have daily opportunities to serve him. That the opportunity to minister to other people, to make a difference, is now. I don't think that that's a bad idea. I think it's kind of interesting. You may not realize this, and you can check it out later. There is a website, it's been around for quite a while, and it is called Death Clock. Deathclock.com. And the tagline says this, the internet's friendly reminder that life is slipping away. And so if you go onto this website, what it does is it predicts the day that you will die. So what you do is you put your date of birth on. You say you, you put in whether you are male or you are female, or you, you put in as well uh, what your body mass index is and whether you are a smoker or not, all these things. Then you press a button, and it indicates the day you are going to die. Now, unfortunately, I did it, and it said I, I should have died in 2017. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that at all. I'm only kidding. But the truth of the matter is, you have a birthday, you also have a death day. Thing is, you don't know about it. Would you like to know? No. A resounding no by the crowd. No, I don't know if I would want to know that. If you did know it, would it make a difference in your life? What would happen? What would you go about? You see, the thing is, we spend most of our time trying to, trying to avoid that reality. And the Bible actually says to do that is unwise. It's important to count our days, to understand that truth. There was a pastor a number of years ago. I, I remember watching and listening. He, goes, he is the pastor. I don't know if he still is. At that time, was the pastor of the Woodlands Church in Texas. And he, he had a sermon series which was called 30 Days to Live. And it talked about 30 days to a no-regret life. And, and the premise was this. If all of a sudden you found out something happened, you say you have 30 days to live. How would that change you? What would be the things that you would change? What would be the things that would, would curb in your life? What would be things that would come to the surface? What were the things that you would say, this is important, it was important 10 days ago, but it's no longer important now. And it, came, it became a best-selling book that he wrote from that. It's just kind of interesting. And it leads me to ask, what is this passage about? Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. Why is it so important? 
Well, what Moses is actually doing is he is focusing, he is contrasting God who is eternal, the eternal nature of God. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Before the mountains were formed, you were alive and well. And he contrasts that with man who is finite. He goes on and says in, in Psalm chapter 20, he says, we're kind of like the grass. And then you wake up, there's new grass. And when you contrast who God is and you contrast who we are, he says, God, give me wisdom to figure this all out. And this passage should move you in a number of ways. And I'll just tell you here right now, folks, that I, I don't think I'll be able to tell you everything. This is one of those things where you kind of have to take it home and you have to linger, have it linger in your heart for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And I'm, I'm hoping that it is. But I put down a few notes and some are obvious to you, but other of them will all of a sudden, I believe that the Holy Spirit will speak to you about. So if you give me a couple minutes. I think the first thing counting our days causes us to do is to, to realize and to analyze that the underlying message is the fact that God is permanent and enduring. And if you put your security in anything else, you're going to be lost. And the other thing that he says is this. God, we need to somehow fear you because you're the one who controls our destiny. You're the one that allows man to die and to live in the whole process. And the fact that there's a God who is a judging God. And what he was basically saying is, you know what? There are people who are living their life unaware of the fact that they will be judged or assuming that they won't be judged. And so it's a message to people who don't know God. Don't you realize that you can be living your life and you can do the party up or whatever, but there's going to be a day of reckoning because I am God. And I realize that there is sin and I have to do something about sin. And it's also for those of us who, who are who have a relationship at one time asked Jesus into their heart, but you're not really living for God, or the sin that is just continuing to happen, and you don't care about it. You're not even repentant of the sin. You need to be aware that that's a very dangerous game to play. Or for those of us who are, that all of a sudden there is opportunity for us within that time range to somehow make a difference. And this is why Moses says what he says. In the process of, of an eternal God, and, and the fact that I only have a couple you know, days really in, in comparison to you to live. Give me wisdom. Help me to know how to spend this time effectively. And so you need to realize, you need to appreciate the fact that there is an eternity, to become aware of eternity. You become aware of eternity so much that you are willing to stake your life actions on it. You see, it's a foundation question, but it's a forever question. The importance of understanding heaven. And for many of us, we have a thought that I will deal with heaven when it comes. But if you're here or if you're watching online and you don't know God, that will be too late. It will be too late. You have to deal with eternity now. It's appointed, it's appointed for man once to die and then what? The judgment. And so there are many people I have found, whether they are Christians or whether they are not, who have lived their lives that have not really counted their days. There's many people in their senior years who've never really considered the fact that there is an eternity to gain. The mass mistake that most Christians make is that once they ask Jesus into their lives, they feel that they don't have to think about heaven again until they actually get there. 
That's not the way it is. That we have figured that we have answered the eternity question by giving Jesus to our life and that we just have to let heaven happen. But there's a whole lot more than that. If I were able to convince you that there is a heaven and there are repercussions of what we do now that will make a, term, a difference in eternity for us, for us, I believe if I were to be, to be able to convince this congregation, if I were to be able to uh, convince anybody who is listening online or whatever the case may be, that it would actually change your life. Not only that, it would change this community. That we would probably see revival. That we wouldn't have a resource problem. That as a whole, we would be happier and more fulfilled people. But we avoid the eternity question. And this is why Moses is so emphatic when he says, teach us to number our days. Because it makes a difference. Because there is an eternity. So there is the, the realization, analyzation. But there's also the priority to prioritize. When you prioritize, you not only think of the important things, you think of the most, the most important things it talks about. I think we have that on the slide next. To prioritize, yeah, to focus and pursue not what is important, but what is most important. You see, the problem that I have, can't talk on your behalf, is that I become very happy sometimes about dealing and working with priority 9, 10, and 11. Because priority 9, 10, and 11 is kind of fun. It's kind of something that I can kind of get into and stuff like that. And many times in my process of dealing with priority 9, 10, and 11, I never really get to priority 1, 2, and 3. And that eventually becomes problematic, don't you think? You ever heard of the 80-20 principle? The 80-20 principle is that this, is that usually it is 20% of the people that do 80% of the work. That usually it's, it, it, it is a process or a, some type of a thing that seems to be true in a number of areas of our lives. That if I am good at this 20%, I will actually get 80% done. And if you are good at priority one, two, and three, chances are you will be able to accomplish 80%. Because the importance of counting our days causes us to actually look at what's important, to realize, to analyze, prioritize, to optimize. Yes, to optimize. What does it mean to optimize? Well, optimization is basically this, to take the priority and make it a reality, to make the most of what we have, right? to make them into action, to make an accomplishment. It's the point where you go from talking to walking. It's the time when you go from deliberating to doing. The time from wishing to time to accomplish, from, from contemplating to completing. Optimization is that get off of the couch moment. Realizing, analyzing, prioritizing, optimizing, energizing. There's something about realizing that you have this time. This is what you have. Where hopefully inside of yourself you say, I am going to make the best of what I have. I'm going to make it count. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to be alive to take the opportunity. With purpose, there's invigoration, appreciation, determination. If you look up Energize in the dictionary, it says to give vitality and enthusiasm to. To fully appreciate the gift. To not dwell 
on the miners. To come to the realization that all this stuff that you had been doing and taking granted, granted for, sorry, it's those things that you said you, you, you had to do, you actually got to do. We got to worship. That every time we meet on a Sunday morning and lift our hearts and our voices in worship, it is a gift. Every opportunity that I have to stand up here and I get to preach the gospel, I get to expound the word, I get to dig down as much as I can and bring out everything that I can so that you can grow in your faith. Man, what a privilege. Every time I'm able to go with my grandchild to the tuck shop to buy something is a gift from God. Every sunset, everything, everything that you thought was just mundane is something that you have opportunity to do. You will, you will go and live a whole life and you will work and you said, I had to work. And by the time you come to the end of it, you say, I got to work. That there's a vitality, that there's an energy to the fact that we realize that everything we do and everything God does is a gift to us. Something absolutely fantastic. And, it's, and, and when we have that time, we come up with a statement. It says this. Life is too short. Life is too short to quibble. Life is too short to worry. Life is too short to be fearful. Life is too short to be bitter. Life is too short to be negative. Life is too short to be unforgiving. You can choose to wallow in the harshness of your situation, but what good does it do? I want to use every opportunity I can to worship him and enjoy what he has given me. Isn't that true? I want to do absolutely everything with excellence. I want to put everything into what I do. Let me tell you something. Never, never cheat your gift. What does that mean? Well, basically means that there are some things that God has made us really good at. And the temptation sometimes is this, that we get so good at doing it that after a while we can do it as we coast, that we don't put everything into it, that there's a gift. Because it's a gift, we can do it, and it just seems natural to do it. But if God gives you the gift, do it with excellence. Work on the gift. Do all the things. Enjoy everything that he has. There is a vitality to realizing that we only have so much time left. Let's put everything into it. To realize, to analyze, prioritize, optimize, energize. Now let's hit level two. Surmise. To pray harder. To think deeper. To live more strategically. To stop and consider that I want to be at this particular point at the end of my days. And in order for me to be at this point at the end of the days, I need all of my days to get to that point. And so we think short term to get to the long term. We begin to realize that we need to live every day, that there's a power of one day at a time, that true spiritual growth comes as a result of consistent daily living. It happens daily, not in a day. And there's an importance to routine. That if you want to change for a lifetime, you need to create a daily routine that takes you where you want to be. It's true. You're good. Everything good in you and everything bad in you has been the result of the fact that you have had a routine that you have maintained. 
over a lifetime, over a long time. If someone comes up to you and they're 75 pounds overweight, then they say to you, hey, listen, the reason I'm 75 pounds overweight was because two nights ago I was at Qdoba and I ate a 75-pound burrito. You might be suspicious. And if you were here on Friday, and if you were there Friday night with a 75-pound burrito, well, I tip my cat to you. That's quite something, is it not? I don't know how that could possibly happen. I would like to order a 75-pound burrito. Oh, just put it on a plate. I'm going to be eating it here. That's not the way it is. The reason you had become and gained the weight that you did is because you probably gained a quarter of a pound a week over a year. And the same thing happens to the good things. If I, if I read my Bible, if I say I'm going to read my Bible 20 minutes each day, then you will probably be able to read the Bible through twice in a year. And if you do that for 10 years, you will have read, read, read the book, the word of the Lord, 20 times in 10 years. You know, there's, there's certain things that are instantaneous. Salvation is instantaneous. There's certain things that God does. And there are those times where God miraculously moves. And we, and we just, we, wow, those are just wonderful times that we don't want God to take away. And we, we understand those times. But the, but the times of spiritual growth, the times when God actually moves, holiness moments happen one day at a time. When we make the conscious choice of putting the important things in our lives there every day, and we build a routine upon it. And then at the end of the day, at the end of our days, we realize that God has done something absolutely special. You say, oh, it's not that cut and dry. Well, I'll agree with you that it's not easy. But really, it is that cut and dry. Isn't it? And so there's something interesting in the point of being able to give him everything and to apply things to our lives every day, to number our days. Last Friday, I was, uh, just on Friday, I was invited to go to a graduation, and I, I kind of remember going to the, just the, I think it's called the Better Living Center, watching people from our congregation graduating. One person said, hey, I want you to be there. And I said, oh, this is great. So I sat there, and I sat out and marched in, and I said, yeah, all this for a piece of paper. Then I began to realize that that paper represented blood, sweat, in tears, lots of sacrifice, lots of hard moments, lots of worried moments. And with this particular individual, I realized that not only that, they also had two, sometimes three jobs, because in order to complete this, they actually had to live. Go figure. And because their family was over two or three thousand kilometers away, they did this alone. And they did it through COVID. And they helped in the church and they came to prayer meetings when they could and they helped with small groups with young adults. And when she got up as the valedictorian, she said, I would like to thank Jesus for everything he does. And she's here today, but I won't get her to stand because I'll embarrass Sophia. And keep me as well, and for all the other graduates. It's more than a sheet of paper. It is a result of every single day putting the important rocks in there, the non negotiable things. Every single day, 
And God uses and moves. There's the power of one. There's the power of one day. There's the power of momentum over a number of one days. And persistence and perseverance to surmise. So where are we? Realize, analyze, prioritize, optimize, energize, surmise. Whew. To publicize. If I'm going to number my days, I want to have something to say. I want to make my faith somehow public. I don't, want to, I don't want to sit there and have all this stuff that is inside of me that I have learned and just kind of die with it. I want to give it to someone else. And the most important thing about myself is Jesus. I want to bring as many people to heaven as I can. I don't want to go to heaven alone. You may have a list of people. Write down this afternoon a list of 10 people that you can't imagine heaven without. Begin to pray for them every single day. For God to move, you will be able to do many of the things on earth that you will be able to do in heaven, but you'll never be able to evangelize in heaven. That job will already have been done. One more. Level three. Analyze, realize, prioritize, optimize, energize, surmise, publicize, define lives. I want, folks, I want the first day to be the same as the last day. I want to end strong as well as beginning to strong. And as I get older, I realize that that somehow seems to change, that my priorities change. And this may sound crazy to some, and it may sound completely logical to others. But the older I become the more aware I become of the next generation. And that not only do I want to leave a legacy, but I want to extend one. I want to be a part of the furtherance of the church after I'm gone. Does that make sense? Like I realize that, that I, am, I actually am getting older and that there will be a time where I will retire. And so all of a sudden at that time, I am going to be at a point where I say, so now where do I go? Now where I go, do I just sit down in the church? And one thing I have resolved as I talk to my wife about this is this, that I don't want to attend a church that caters to retired people. I don't want to be a church which focuses on people who are 65 years old. I don't want a church that focuses on me because there's too much at stake there's too much that I think God wants to do in the generation before me. And I don't even think what's best for my kids. I'm at a point where I'm thinking, I want to see a church go ahead that is good for my grandkids. I don't even have grandkids. But that's what I'm thinking. And for some of us, it might be for my great-grandkids. What is it that I believe that will somehow cause us to go ahead? In three years, this church will be 100 years old. An incredible thing. God has done great things through this church. And what we'll do is we will celebrate that 100-year anniversary. But the thought and the prayer that I think of is how do we thrive? How do we thrive past 100? You ever realize that there's what's called the growth cycle of a church or the life cycle of a church? You can, you can look it up on the internet. There's just these seven steps that happen in a church, how, how it kind of goes. And, and what happens is there's vision, and people are excited about the vision, and things begin to grow, and that. And, and what happens is management, which is a good thing and a bad thing, 
In order as things get better, management takes all of a sudden a hold of the wheel. Vision no longer is. And so when management takes a hold of the wheel, he doesn't want to get rid of it or she, whoever you want to consider it is. But there's a process where you hit a peak and then you begin to maintain. And then you begin to hang on. Unless somewhere along the line when you hit that peak, you begin to say, we need a new vision. God's not done with us yet. We need to see the power of God work and move in our midst. And it requires people who don't think about themselves. If your thought is this, I got 20 more years to live, so what I want to do is I want to invest in the next 20 years of the church because after that I won't even be here. Why should I care? I'm not even going to be here. Well, if that's the mentality, your church will die. And so that weighs heavily upon me. I think to myself that I would, I would love to be able to live not just for the kingdom of Mike, but for the kingdom of God. In the new year, sorry, in, in, in the fall, we were talking with Louis Hogblocks, who, who is the church revitalization I said, Lou, the church isn't going back. He says, yeah, but the best time to do that is now. So in the, in the fall, we're hoping to kind of do a, a church revitalization with help of the district. I'm excited about what God is wanting to do and what he is going to do. In this church, one of my favorite people of all time I'll say one of, because that still keeps you in the loop, right? <laughs> and uh, when I came here, she was still alive. She died within the first two years that I had come back. But 25 years ago, I was the children's pastor as well as the youth pastor. And there was this lady named Margaret Phillips. Remember Margaret Phillips? And every week, every Sunday, she would be here in her senior years teaching Sunday school, caring for these kids. These kids loved Margaret Phillips. And if you knew Margaret Phillips, you saw Margaret Phillips, you knew this lady was in her senior years, spending her last times before she got into complete retirement, probably into a home, and I don't know. I had left. She was still teaching Sunday school. I think that if they had to drag her into a home, she was probably trying to get out to teach Sunday school. I'm not too sure. And I said to myself, I think I want to be like that. I'd like to die teaching Sunday school. That there will be something inside of me that says, you know what? The church extends past me. And when God says, God says, number your days. That not just mean, means today, that your days, that it stops when your days end. That there's something that God is calling us to, to extend into something deeper. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. God, help me to number my days so that at the end of the day, I have glorified God, and it counts not just for this life, but for the next life, because there is an eternity that God calls me to. And I want to live like I am convinced that there is a heaven, because there is. Amen? You ever drive, you ever drive um, 
and you see those people who are driving. You can see them on the road a lot. And it seems that they drive as though they're not looking more than two seconds ahead. You ever met these people? The road is out. A kilometer ago, they said, the road is out. You need to get into the right lane. And then all of a sudden, 500 kilometers or 500 meters later, it says, hey, it might be best to turn over because, uh, because you know, that right lane, it's, it's closed for construction. And you watch this person, and you can kind of see them there. And they just keep driving. And then all of a sudden, about 50 meters from that thing, they swerve over. Oh, what happened? The road, the road just ended. I didn't know anything about it. You ever see those people? You ever... I'm not the only one that thinks of these people. What's wrong with you? Are you not looking a minute ahead? Are you not looking a little bit ahead? Do you not see things happening? Sometimes I wonder if we do the same thing spiritually. We don't see things ahead. We're not looking ahead. My prayer is this. God, help me to number my days so that I'm effective for all of them. Amen? God, I just pray that somehow you will move in a powerful way to look at our lives and say, God, every single part of my life, every single day of my life, I give to you. Help me, Father, to just see super things happen, Father, as I consider all this, that I might bring glory to you in the most effective way that I possibly can. And that doesn't matter whether I'm 88 years old or whether I'm 28 years old and I have three children or, or I'm 17 years old and I'm graduating or I'm 22 years old and I've gotten my degree. It makes no difference. Moses doesn't say, well, I'm old now, so now I'm going to do it. No, he says, tell us to number my days. And the sooner that we number our days, God, the more effective we can be for him. So God, I pray, I pray that gift upon every single person here. Pray that as they leave and as they take in the word this week, Father, that it'll challenge us, God. And it will invigor us, Father. And it'll allow us, Father, to glorify you in the best way that we possibly can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I wanted to end with communion, if we could. Can we stand at this time? I'm going to read. Hopefully you have got the package for communion. And uh, for those of you who are new, there's kind of the packet on the top, and then there's the grape juice on the second level. There's a little cellophane thing that you open first. The second one is the tab for the grape juice. And we celebrate once a month communion because it's important to understand exactly what Jesus did for us. So I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take that emblem, which represents the broken body of Christ. Let's participate together. Father, thank you for your broken body. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving me a chance for eternity. Verse 25 says, In the same way also he took the cup and after supper saying...
This covenant is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink or as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's open up the emblem. Jesus, thank you for the blood. Thank you for everything that you have done. Any kind of anger, any kind of angst, any kind of burden, I lay at the cross. Pray, Father, that you forgive our sins and help us to passionately follow you with all of our lives. In Jesus' name, let's participate together. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church both now and forever. And let the blessing of God be upon this congregation. If you're here visiting, God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please head over to BethelBrandon.ca to listen to our older messages or maybe connect with us and figure out how we can best serve you. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.